Hi, my name is Jackie. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 8. I play hard because that's how I do everything. I always push myself to be the best that I can be. Type 1 diabetes does not stop me from doing the things that I like to do. Hello and welcome to Teen 1D, the podcast for teenagers and young adults living with type 1 diabetes. The podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medicine advice or treatment. My guest for this episode is Lauren Bongiorno. Hi, Lauren. Thanks so much for agreeing to be on here today. Thanks for having me, Jackie. I'm excited. So tell us a little about yourself. So I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was seven years old, and I'm going to be 29 uh, in a couple months, so over 21 years. And I went through a lot of different phases with my diabetes. I have, you know, went in the phase where I was really reactive with my diabetes management, and I was just like chugging juice when I was low and just like rage bolusing when I was high. Um, And now I've come into a place with my management where it feels more balanced and I have more energy and my mood is better. And I actually am the founder of a company called Risely Health, where we coach people with type 1 diabetes and also parents with T1D kids to be able to, yes, improve their blood sugar numbers, but also to just overall reclaim ownership of their diabetes so that they can have more freedom and confidence in their life. Wow, that's just fantastic. So what do you use to manage your type 1? Like, are you on a pump, CGM or closed loop system? Yeah, I'm on a Omnipod and I'm also on Dexcom G6 and I'm excited because the Omnipod 5 just came out. So that means that they are going to talk to each other. So I cannot wait to try that system out. Yes, me too. Me too. (laughs) Is this how you've always managed it or have you made changes along the way? Well, I was on a pump when I turned nine years old. So about two years after diagnosis and I was on the Medtronic pump and I had the wire for so long and it was always getting stuck on doorknobs and ripped out and I played sports too. So I had to take off my pump and then my blood sugar would go high. So, um, about five, five ish, six years ago, I went on Omnipod, which has been so helpful to not have the wire. So I, I love it. Yes, me too. So You mentioned sports. Which sports did you play growing up? So I was a big soccer player. I was pretty athletic, like all around. I still am. And I love, I'm so competitive. Like I love sports and teams. And um, I played soccer in college for a little bit as well. I went to the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, and I played soccer there. And yeah, so that was, I miss it so much. I wish I can go back to college. I know you have a lot of people listening that are in college and high school and I'm like, just enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Did ever having type one affect your ability to play sports or did you just learn how to manage it around that? So I think when I was younger, I would listen to my body's cues when I was feeling low and I would run off the field and chug some Gatorades. And I think it definitely got in the way because I, you know, I had to stop and I couldn't maybe finish the drills that we were doing or the sprints that we were doing. And I hated that. I hated feeling held back, but I don't think mentally it ever slowed me down. But over time, I realized that I wasn't playing my best when my blood sugars were running high. And when you're running on a field, you know, you know, you know, if you're an athlete, like your legs feel just heavier, you have like a headache, you're not feeling your best. So I think that's when I started to want to manage my blood sugars a little bit better. Yes. And so Well, just growing up and just later in life, did you tell people that you had type one or did you just like let them figure it out as you got to know them more? So I think when I was younger, like when my teenage years, I was really 
I don't want to say embarrassed of my type one diabetes, but I didn't like publicly display it. I wasn't like, Hey, like John, nice to meet you. I'm Lauren. And I have type one diabetes. Like it was like, let me just keep this as something that's like hidden because I don't want people to think that I'm weird or I don't want people to not like me because of it. And so I kind of kept it like a little bit of just like on the back burner. And over time, what I realized is that like you're actually more insecure about your diabetes and care more about it than other people do. And when you tell them that you have it, a lot of the times they're like, Oh, cool. And they just like want to know about it. So, um, a lot of the judgment that we feel are things that we put on ourselves. Yes. And so you talked about playing soccer for North Carolina and Wilmington. What was that like just as an experience? Yeah. So it was really, really competitive and not even competitive with just the other colleges and the other teams, the level of division one that we were playing in, but also competition within like spots on the field and even your teammates and within the levels. And it was different than when I played club in, you know, or at school and in high school. And um, you're meeting all new players. You're, you're getting to like figure out where your spot is in, in the mix. And I think that for me, it's, it was, it was very different. It was like really mentally more draining than anything I'd ever done before. And I actually didn't play for all four years. I only played for the first year because I wanted to do other things. I wanted to study abroad and I wanted to, you know, just be parts of other groups. And it didn't really allow me to do that. And so I kind of spent a lot of my college years, just like figuring out who I was beyond just sports and beyond just diabetes. And I struggled a lot to find who, where my place was and who I was meant to be, but I eventually got there. (laughs) So you talked about studying abroad. Did you end up studying abroad somewhere? Yes. My junior year of college, I studied abroad in Florence in Italy. Oh, wow. Craziest five and a half months ever. Have you, have you thought about maybe studying abroad? Yes, I have. I don't know where I'd like to go yet, but I've definitely thought about it. Well, that's not true. There are a lot of places I would like to go, but I don't have it narrowed down yet. Oh, well, you'll find it. And if you can like think about if you want to travel or if you don't want to travel, like while you're there, because that'll depend to like where you go, like being in Europe, there's so many different trains and you can get to like, I think I saw 15 countries while I was there because everything is wow. so, so yeah, you can definitely explore if 15. you want to. Yeah. Yep. Had to pack a lot of diabetes supplies. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. So how did you get everything over there then? Just like had it expedited from the U.S. or? Yeah, I took two big suitcases with me, checked the bag. And I think halfway through in March, my boyfriend, who's now my fiance, he came and brought me some, I think it was like some clothes maybe even, and maybe some more diabetes things, but I pretty much packed like one entire suitcase of clothes and then the other entire suitcase of diabetes supplies and all of the backup things, backup PDMs or pumps, backup, you know, test kits, test strips, all of it. So just in general, what was it like to transition to college while having type one? Um, I think that my parents did a really good job when I was younger in making me really independent of my diabetes. So I never felt like they were holding my hand so much. They were really empowering me with knowing that taking care of my diabetes is like one of the most important things that I have to do because it affects everything in my life. And also of course my health. And so when I was going away to college, they felt really good about me going because they knew I was taking care of myself or at least 
even though I didn't have maybe the best numbers, they knew that I was mindful of it. And I was checking my number when I woke up and during the day and when I went to bed and I was remembering to give insulin and doing all those things that are, you know, really important when you're on your own. And I had a mini fridge in my dorm room. I was, we actually were in a big suite and there was about 10 people in it. And so we had like a communal area of, of our kitchen, but we, I also had a fridge just in my room where I kept like low snacks and juice and, you know, things just for, just for me. So while you were playing soccer, did you have an athletic trainer or other people who helped you manage it? Or was it just you? I'm just looking for an inside or someone who played D1. What was that just like an experience there? Yeah. So I actually, I'm sure that my athletic trainer and coach knew that I had diabetes because they probably, when I filled out forms in the beginning to come on to play, they, they probably saw it, but it was like never talked about. I didn't personally at the time want to showcase it because like I said, I was playing at such a competitive level that I didn't want the coaches to look at me versus another player and say, well, I'm going to put that person on the field instead of Lauren, because she has diabetes. And I actually think in hindsight, that was like a big insecurity of mine. And it wasn't really true. Like, I think that I could have told my coach that, and we could have had an open conversation with it. And he would have been like, oh yeah, like I know, but it's not like affecting my judgment or anything. Um, and I think, you know, my, some of my teammates knew and my closest teammates, like the ones that were, I was going in the same class that were like freshmen and I was living with, like living with me, they all knew. And at the same time though, like you're very much on your own and everybody's trying to live their own freshman year experience at college. And so everybody's worried about themselves. And so like, you really have to have your own back. So what did you major in while you were in college? Ooh, great question. So I was on the pre-law track. My dad's a lawyer, my sister's a lawyer, my aunt, my uncle's lawyer, my cousin's lawyer. So I was going to be a lawyer as well. And at the same time of studying history and psychology and pre-law classes, I was really interested in health and um, I was taking yoga and I was practicing yoga at the time, like very, very much like religiously, especially after I stopped playing soccer and I was working out a lot and really paying attention to nutrition and optimize my blood sugars. And I was like, wow, I feel so much better. Like why don't doctors teach you about these things? And then I, you know, decided my senior year of college that I did not want to go to law school and I was going to put it off for a year and see, you know, what happened if I went the health coaching, health coaching route, which is ultimately what I decided to do. Yes. And you talked about the aspects of yoga that are so fantastic. Can you share some of those with our listeners here today? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, the benefits of yoga are first off, we live in a world where there's so much stimulation. So constantly in an hour, you can switch between TikTok to Netflix, to Hulu, to YouTube, to texting your friends. And I'm guilty of it too. And when we're so much in that world, it, you do get like heightened anxiety and you get anxious of like, what am I missing out on? And I like, oh my gosh, they're doing better than me. Or that girl's prettier than me. And all that comparison that can come sometimes. And I think that really what yoga helps you do is it helps you like remove all those distractions and kind of just focus inward on yourself. And the fact that you are a soul that's like inside of your body, having this like 
home exterior and that your body's going to change so many different times in your lifetime. You're going to go through so many challenges and diabetes being one of them. And at the end of the day, yoga teaches you how to just like be and, and breathe in stillness and hold these poses for, you know, sometimes five or six breaths. And it really just teaches you kind of these life lessons of slowing down and accepting where you're at and also accepting the challenges and the discomforts that come from just life in general. Yes, I've done yoga a couple of times, but this definitely makes me want to do it more. And just as one of the last for um, the college track, I'll be asking you these kind of questions. Did you have a 504 plan while you were in college? I actually did not. And we coach a lot of parents who have kids that do have 501 or 504 plans. And I looking back and like, well, I probably maybe should have had one, but I didn't. And I think that my teachers were always understanding. Like if I did have a lower high blood sugar, they kind of were just nice about it. And they were like, okay, like we can, you know, you can retake this, the second section tomorrow. And and that didn't necessarily have, that didn't happen like all the time or enough for me to like want to do that. But my SATs and, you know, ACTs and all those kind of tests, I pretty much just went in and had juice and, you know, hope for the best with my blood sugars. <laughs> I read on your website that you had an incredible A1C in college, but you felt unsatisfied. Do you have anything like that you'd like to add to that or just explain to our listeners anything about that? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was growing up, I pretty much had a, I don't know, like an A1C and like the high sixes and the, you know, low mid sevens. And it was nothing ever like incredible or nothing ever that was like terrible, but there was a lot of like zigzags and ups and downs and roller coasters. And that's, you know, that's draining for, for anybody, for all of us. And when I got to college, after I stopped playing soccer, um, there was this like identity crisis that happened a little bit where I didn't know who I was without athletics and without my team and without soccer. And so I turned to something that I thought I could control, which was my blood sugars. And I hyper-focused on being perfect because in my mind, looking back, it was like, well, if I can't control, you know, being perfect at, you know, soccer or being that person anymore that I've only known myself to be for so many years, then I'm going to be the perfect diabetic. And I went into the doctor's office. I was a junior, I think in college, and it was after actually studying abroad and the endocrinologist was expecting my A1C to be like in the eights or nines or like kind of crazy. And it was a 5.7. And she was like, wow. Oh my gosh, like, how did you do this? This is amazing. And she was telling me that I was doing so well, but really I was being so restrictive with food. I was exercising so much to the point that it was just like became my whole life instead of my life being about you know, other things and friends and being present with family and going out and doing things that like a college kid should be doing. And I realized that like a lot of times we're either celebrated for having a good A1C or we're being, we feel like we're being judged for having a high A1C or it's constant like, well, you have to do better. And I think that in that moment, it taught me that I have to take back the reins for like what not just the A1C is, but more so like just like how I'm overall living my life with diabetes. Thank you for sharing with that. So just to backtrack a little bit, what exactly changed your mind to not go to law school and become the health coach? I know that you mentioned that you did decide to become the health coach, but what inspired you to do that? Well, I had went on this whole kind of transformative journey for myself of 
being, you know, all over the place with my diabetes and not feeling like my endocrinologist was holding my hand, you know, through the process of helping me learn more about hormones and insulin sensitivity and all these things that you really, you know, are helpful to you when you're diagnosed with diabetes or living with diabetes. And I think that for me, that transformation really motivated me and fueled my fire and said, you know, I'm learning about this own transformation myself of, you know, how much better it was when I was learning about my diabetes in more depth. And I want to be able to help inspire other people to do the same thing. And that was kind of the the initial spark, but years later now it's been like six, seven years later, it's coaching is, is huge. It's about helping people really not just, you know, hold their hand and tell them what to do, but put them in the driver's seat so that they don't feel like they're so lost with their numbers or they don't know why they're constantly waking up high or why they're always going low during activity and really helping them have more stability with their numbers, which makes them feel better in the end. Yes. So what steps did you take after you graduated to becoming a health coach? Yeah. So first I went to health coaching school. And so if anybody is listening, it is the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And then after that, I went on to take my national board certification for health coaching. There's about only about like 6,000 people that have it in the country. Um, But all of the coaches on our team are nationally board certified and it uh, just is like a higher level of a coaching certification. What types of issues do you address with your clients in your Risley Health business? And what age group are most of your clients? Yeah. So we have a big range because we're working with parents with T1D kids. Sometimes they're two, three years old. And we also have people who have type 1 diabetes that are, you know, 15, 16, 17, all the way up to 50, 60 years old. So it's a big range. And I would say the biggest thing that we do is we, we have somebody come in and they're often struggling in some way. They're struggling with their blood sugar numbers. They're struggling with the their relationship with food or knowing their body's patterns or being able to like go out of routine and have better numbers or sleep through the night more. And we're really helping them slow down and give them space to be able to look at what's working for them, what's not working, what changes they want to try making, whether that's with nutrition or maybe with their, their rates and their ratios that they're noticing that they need to change some things in there. If their settings maybe have been the same, the same for, you know, five years or whatever it is. Um, And it's a lot about the mindset too. It's about like them leaning into their diabetes and not being, you know, not, it not being something that they're just keeping in the shadows anymore. So we help them very holistically with the mindset, with the blood sugars, with the emotional aspects um, and really get them to wherever their goal and what they want to, where they want to be. So this next question, you can totally tell me to skip it to if you want. I read that you'd previously had what you called disordered eating. Can you describe what that means and how that affected you? Yeah. So with the disordered eating, it happened around the time with the 5.7 A1C where I was always stressed about food. I mean, I spent the majority at least 90% of my college years where my friends were all like going out to dinner and I constantly was just ordering a salad with fish or like the, the vegetable with the protein. And I wouldn't like touch the bread on the table or they would want to go for frozen yogurt afterwards or go to the movies and have popcorn. And I would go and I would just be so stressed out the whole time thinking about like, oh my gosh, if I have that, like that means I'm bad. My blood sugars are going to go high. And then on the flip side, the weekend would come sometimes and I'd be like, well, I was so good all week. So let me just like 
eat everything this weekend. And I would have like chocolate and popcorn and bagels and all these things. And my numbers would be crazy, crazy, crazy high. And I was on this like seesaw. So that is, you know, what I would consider kind of like the disordered eating, but like people with type one diabetes, it's harder because we have to focus on food so, so, so much. And we look at our friends who don't really think about these things sometimes, and it can be hard, but it's important to pay attention to like your relationship with food. How has your yoga practice impacted your daily life and your coaching business? Yeah, so I think the way that yoga helped is it really it really gave me a level of understanding that slowing down is so important and especially being an athlete when you're an athlete you just are taught to go like 100 miles an hour at all times and diabetes is something where if you go 100 miles an hour at all times and you don't slow down you're not able to see what your patterns are you're not able to make changes you're not able to remember to do things like pre-bolus or you know prep your snack from for after school if that's helpful for you and do those things that are like serving you and yoga essentially helps you just ingrain that habit of doing it of just remembering to slow down remembering to be more mindful and and really present in your body so what type of workouts do you do now so i am big into cross training so i don't do the same workouts all the time so Sometimes I will do cardio, but not a lot. Like I'm not, my least favorite thing is cardio because I feel like I was running and sprinting for sports so many years of my life (laughs) where now I'm like, all right, I can like listen to a podcast and do the elliptical or the stair climber for a little bit. But I love uh, weight training, strength training. I love boot camp style classes. Um, But I, really love even just like walking sometimes like walking and Pilates and yoga and the things that kind of slow you down. But I pretty much do everything. Like even like boxing. I love, like, I, I just love anything that gives you those. Yes. Endorphins. <laughs> so what do you do in boxing? Like, I understand the concept of boxing, but like, how do you personally do it? Yeah. So my, my dad, actually, my parents live down the road from, from me, my fiance, and he has a boxing bag that like goes in the garage and like hangs. So we have gloves and everything. And we'll just go for a few rounds of like one minute as hard as you can, just like punching the bag and then taking a 30 second break and then doing a minute again and taking a 30 second break. And your arms are so dead afterwards, but it feels satisfying. It sounds fun, actually. Yeah, you should try it. (laughs) We'll try. So do you have any advice for teenagers and young adults with type one who are learning to manage it while living on their own and dealing with stress, activities, obligations, and expectations? Mm, That's a loaded question. Well, it really is. It is, but it's a great question. And I think that Everybody has their own journey with diabetes, but the common thing I think that we all experience is that we think that all of our challenges and our highs and our lows and our problems are something that we have to keep to ourselves. And you can think of it as holding a glass of water, right? A glass of water becomes heavier the longer you hold it. And so if you can look to talk about your diabetes with certain people in your life, whether it's a few close friends or your family members, and just like drop the walls down and be vulnerable and be like, I'm having a really tough diabetes day. Like, I just need to lay on the couch. Can you give me permission to like 
not, you know, go out tonight. And just hearing that like validation sometimes for people around you allows you to like have that support system. And even though they can never like a hundred percent get it, I think that the more you open up, the more you'll feel like you're not carrying that heavy weight a lot around all the time. All right. So our last question, I like to ask uh, guests with type one, what their favorite activities books movies and tv shows are as well to remind everyone that we are much more than type one itself so what are yours gosh i'm such a tv like show person i love 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 a good a good tv show or movie um so i'll give you a few fun facts i'll give you three fun okay. facts so the first one is that i can never watch a movie more than once because i hate already knowing what the ending is so i love movies but i can like only watch them one time Um, the second one is outside of activity that we talked about of like sports and working out. I horseback riding for like six months now and I love it. It's so relaxing. It's so fun. I started jumping and over like these like poles that they put up and the horse that I ride is named Daisy. And I swear she's like such a stress relief. So if you're (laughs) ever really stressed, go horseback riding. (laughs) I will try I will try. I do not know how it will fit into my schedule, but I will try. I know it's hard when you're like, when you have so many things filled up, but it's, it's a good, like stress relief, like once in a while. So that's the second thing. And the third one is favorite shows. I mean, Grey's Anatomy is like an easy one. Like that's like one of my like all time favorites. I love the show Outlander. I love Schitt's Creek for a funny one. I love Ozark. And I think HBO shows are my favorite, but I pretty much will watch like anything. (laughs) Those are just a few. All right. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Jackie. That's all for today. If you have any suggestions for future topics or guests or just want to say hi, don't hesitate to reach out. You can email me at teen.teen1d at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at teen1dpodcasts. If you like my podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, as it really does help me out. Thanks so much for listening, and don't forget to tune into next week's episode. Have a great week. Bye.